21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our Four Times Mindfulness podcast series with Andy Vasley and Neela Steele. Uh, as always, we thank you for your time and energy and for tuning into this series. If you are a first-time listener of Four Times Mindfulness, uh, this is really a passion project of ours. Uh, Neela and I uh, work very hard to develop our mindfulness practice, and we decided a couple years ago to kind of share our learning journey uh, in a podcast format. Um, so Four Times Mindfulness is essentially sharing what we call four seeds of mindfulness. Uh, and by seed, we mean just this idea um, that we throw out there. We hope it germinates. We hope it, it flourishes and grows into something that um, people find of value. But each seed is just an idea related to our learning that's okay. That's Sorry, okay. that's our dog. He, we were going to kick him out of the room when recording this podcast, but <laughs> he was sleeping on the bed and he decided to just interrupt with sneezes. So sorry about that. You might hear him from time to time. Um, but anyways, so it's just about sharing our learning. And what we want to emphasize is that everybody has their own definition of what mindfulness is. And what we adhere to is kind of the philosophy that we adhere to is that you can create your own definition of what mindfulness is. And, and we look for mindfulness connections in everything that we do. Um, some people don't think that certain things are mindfulness, whereas other things are mindfulness, but we don't get caught up in all of that. So yeah, we'd like to just uh, begin the episode, but before Getting to that, I just wanted to um, ask Neela Steele how things have been going. They've been great. We are recording this podcast in Saudi Arabia, and the weather right now is absolutely gorgeous. That means it's about 25 Celsius. Yeah, maybe 20, up to 27. Yeah. And we really appreciate the nice, cooler temperatures. So, Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, that time of year, and we're especially grateful today because we're going to an American Thanksgiving dinner, um, which is nice to be a part of a community of wonderful people and to share these celebrations. That's and, right. And, to, and we uh, have an apple pie baking in the oven right now. Yes, to bring over there. Okay, so we're going to jump right into the first seat of mindfulness with Neela Steele. So Neela, take it away. Okay. Um, my first seed of mindfulness is something taken from meditation teacher Vinnie Ferraro, and he's based in California. And I read an article that Vinnie Ferraro had um, written, and it's really about impermanence. So in this guided meditation, Vinny talks about the phrase, right now, 
it's like this. So he gives an example of going through a difficult time in his life and how this phrase just helped him to call BS on his mind that kept repeating that, well, it's going to be like this forever. It's a good way to jolt yourself into the fact that nothing lasts forever. And if it is a difficult time, just by repeating the phrase right now, it's like this, will help you get through that. Because mindfulness, one of the things I like to mention about mindfulness is what it isn't. And it isn't about being in a blissful state all the time. And it's not about annihilating your current thoughts. It's about trying to remain aware in the moment and the next moment. And it could be joy, sorrow, an amazing time, an awful time, a boring time or a mundane time. And it's simply that awareness and labeling the emotion at the time that you're feeling it. So that sort of really speaks to me right now. And right now it's like this because my own personal connection was about a week ago, my son who is 15 used our bathroom and then he left the bathroom, what I would label a complete and utter mess. And initially I walked in there and I thought I was going to raise my voice to call him over to say, look at the mess you created. And instead I practiced a mindful pause and that's just consciously taking a deep and spacious breath and allowing yourself some space so that you don't react and you take time to respond. And I thought to myself, he's 15. He's a teenager. This is normal and natural. And he's only going to be with us for another three years. That hurts me. I know. Yeah. Three years is nothing. So when I reframed my thinking at that moment, so first I was highly irritated. Then I allowed myself to pause and I reframed my thinking to, you know, for the next three years I can handle our bathroom being um, turned upside down by a teenager because the moment he's gone and it's just Andy and I or with my other son, Ty, and then all of a sudden the bathroom's spotless and clean, I'll be so sad that Eli won't be around anymore. So it just kind of kicked me into, well, right now it's like this. And I don't think right now it's like this has to be used in only dire times or when you're going through some doldrums, it can also remind you to remember that this is an example of impermanence and that it is great to explore what is present in the moment, be that joy, be that frustration, or be that boredom. So if you're looking for a great guided meditation, look up Vinnie Ferraro, and right now it's like this. That's wonderful and it's a great reminder and like you say it's not just in bad times and turbulent times it can also be in moments of elation you know mm -hmm. like because we sometimes we gloss over caught, or yes, we, yeah we can we can get caught up in moments of elation or 
huge success that is not going to last either. Right. Right. So it's like, enjoy the moment, be self-aware, be in the moment, but know that it will pass. Yeah. So I, I really like that. And, and thinking about Eli. Um, so our son right now is in Budapest, Hungary, uh, on a model United Nations uh, school trip, such an amazing opportunity for him um, to be involved in model UN, which is you know learning debating skills and practicing debating skills with kids from other schools, and um, you know so it, having him gone this week is also a reminder of what's to come in three years' time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it really does hurt. I mean, we look at pictures of him when he was just a baby, and that was just seemed like yesterday. So the thought of him, you know, going off to university and stuff, um, you know, I don't want to think about that yeah, right now. Yeah, but ultimately but, that's a very normal path. You yeah. grow up to leave your parents. Yeah. So, so anyways, maybe so. at that point we might want him to spread his wings and yes. take off yeah, <laughs> who knows again a different moment yeah so that brings us to our second seed of mindfulness um that's so, for andy to share so the second seed is quite personal um i guess it's the opposite of impermanence and it's this idea of permanence and two weeks ago Um, I lost my mom. My mom suddenly passed away. And I got that terrible email from my sister, you know, living abroad for 20 years, um, being so far removed from Canada and from our family. um, Those emails can take you by complete and utter surprise. And I received an email from my mom saying, or sorry, from my sister saying that... um, that my mom had uh, fallen quite ill after getting the flu vaccination and that it was like mild flu-like symptoms and then it took a turn for the worst and um, she was rushed to the hospital and she just survived 12 hours in the hospital and she died. And it, it was one of those moments when, when I got the email that was, um, it just hit me really hard. Obviously, when you, when you get news that a loved one has passed away, it hits you hard. And anybody listening to this will understand that. But in my case, um, the first emotions that flooded me were intense guilt and remorse and shame. And the reason for that is that I spent less and less time with my mom over the past several years, and we didn't have a great relationship. Um, Of course, I loved her, but um, we just spent less time together. I would go home in the summer, and I would see her once, and then that would be it. And I would talk to her, you know, a few times a year on Skype. And this past summer, uh, Neela was in Rome doing counselor's training, Um, taking a a course in Rome to become a counselor, school counselor. I took the boys back to Canada. We were in Toronto. We drove to my hometown, Windsor, um, spent time with my sister, who is, um, I think my sister's a saint. She's she's such a wonderful person and 
and we have such a great relationship. And I was spending time with her, and then I said, okay, I'm going to take the boys, Eli and Ty, take mom out for breakfast, which we did, and we had a great breakfast. And, you know, my mom's 85. She lived a full life. Um, We had a great breakfast, and then we brought her back to her apartment. We brought her up into the apartment, um, said our goodbyes, gave her a hug, and she was like, you're coming back to see me, right? Because we were going to make one trip back to Windsor before going back to Saudi Arabia. And I said, yeah, yeah, we're going to come back and see you. We'll go for breakfast, and, you know, Neela will be with us this time. Well, we went back to Windsor, and I never went to see her. So that was the, the hardest thing to accept is that I chose not to go see her because I was at my sister's. I wanted to spend time with my sister. And this idea of permanence is that she would always be there. I can see her next trip. I don't have to go see her right now. I can see her next trip. And I didn't even call her. And this is the feeling of being like a terrible son, you know. And um, we went back to Saudi Arabia and just started the school year. One week led into another. Every week I thought I need to give her a call. Um, But I didn't. And Neela even reminded me several times, you know, you should call your mom, see how she is. And I said, yeah, yeah, I will. And the weekend before she died, I I literally had Skype open and I was going to call her. And then I just got sidetracked and I never called her. Permanence. She'll always be here. And then I received that news. And um, like I said, the, the guilt and remorse... And this shame um, was overwhelming. So I sought counsel and some good friends and I talked to them. And of course, everybody was very supportive saying, you know, you didn't know this was going to happen. Don't beat yourself up. But it did finally click in and I started to practice self-compassion and just say that, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I, I wish I would have called her. I didn't. I cannot beat myself up anymore over this. I've got to move on. I, I said a little prayer to her, and I, I hope that she would understand. But it was just this act of practicing self-compassion, which ties back into self-awareness. And even though I was beating myself up, I was self-aware of the emotions that I was experiencing. And I just started to practice some self-compassion and Neela helped me with that. And a good friend back in Canada, my buddy Chuck, he, he talked to me in depth about this. And, um, I guess I'm sharing the seed of mindfulness because we often get so caught up in a swirly world and, and one thing after another, and we might do things that might by accident, you know, we might do things that might yeah, hurt not, somebody else. Not or intentionally. Not intentionally. Yeah. Um, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And we do have to practice self-compassion with ourselves and give ourselves a break, you know. And in my case, that is very important to me. Uh, It's only been two weeks, so I know that I'm still grieving, um, but I'm no longer beating myself up. It's just 
this natural process of grief right now and um and that's it so i just wanted to share that idea of self-compassion and give yourself a break and um set time aside to reflect on on specific areas that you need to give yourself a break about and you need to show more self-compassion for yourself mm-hmm. and to practice um forgiveness with yourself and that's what i'm striving to do i think that we are often i think as far as you and i are concerned uh we're very compassionate towards others and it's easy to be not necessarily easy but it is a different lens when you're feeling compassionate towards others and i think that is something that is really really hard for people in general when you do a u turn and you have to practice it for yourself and i like that added layer of self forgiveness and then being able to forgive not only yourself but others and then moving forward because not not dwelling and not replaying those moments of guilt and maybe shame and regret It, because you you can't dig yourself out of those feelings if you don't switch to self-compassion so i think it you mentioning it here is again just another reminder to get your internal house in order your internal thoughts to say those kind and compassionate thoughts and phrases in your head and then it does also connect to right now it's like this right now i may be feeling this but i need to i need to let it fade and then i need to reframe it and switch to more compassion towards oneself yeah before moving into the third seat i just want to say two more things and I love what you said there and it's this idea that I would like people listening to 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 do two things and the first thing is pick one area seriously reflect on your life over the past couple weeks month whatever it is and pick one area that maybe you need to forgive yourself about or or give yourself uh or be com- self uh, show self compassion with yourself so pick that one area and the second thing is to remember that idea of impermanence and reach out and call somebody you love that's a great reminder because i didn't and i greatly regret it but as i said i'm practicing self compassion but you still have the chance to do that so reach out and make that phone call so moving on to the third seat of mindfulness the third seat of mindfulness is a breathing technique that i wanted to share mindfulness is so tethered to the breath because it's an anchor point for us to drop or dwell in the current moment because we are so used to um fast forwarding or predicting 
what we think we are in control of for our future. And we're so quick to remove ourselves from the current moment because we can go off and ruminate about a past holiday or a lovely romantic moment or anything at all in our heads. So this breathing exercise is called the soother. And what I'm going to do right now is to just guide you through it. So hopefully you're in a place where you're listening to this and you can test it out. So I invite you to come into a physical position, either sitting or standing, or even if you're laying down, but I'd like you to lengthen up and just create space, you know, underneath the armpits, all the way down to the hips, and then just relax the shoulders. So you just come into the physical body. Now begin to inhale slowly and then really enjoy the exhale through the nose. Now as you do that again, when you inhale, I'd like you to hold and retain the breath at the end of your inhalation. So you're holding the breath for one, two, or three seconds. And then once again, enjoy that exhale And when your exhale is complete, you can no longer exit any more air out of the lungs. Once again, you'll do that same hold, pause, and retain the breath for one, two, or three seconds. So just try that one more cycle of breath holding each time at the end of the inhalation and the end of the exhalation. So just try that now. Now to add another layer to it, instead of counting when you retain the breath, I want you to repeat the words calm and poised. So go ahead and test that out. Inhale slowly, repeating the words silently in your head as you retain the breath, calm and poised. And then really enjoy that exhale. Again, repeating, calm and poised. So what that does is you, as I kept repeating, you really enjoy that exhale because there's a little tiny bit of pressure that has been built up as you retain the breath. And the words can simply be substituted for any two or three words that really resonate with you. Now, common poised resonates with me. Another one I might use is relaxed and aware. You might say, pause, be still. You get the idea. You can take any two or three words and just try that through the cycles of breath, holding and retaining the breath for that short period of time. So it's like you find that inner stillness and nobody needs to know that you're doing this. You could do this when you're sitting and uh, you're in a meeting. You can do this when you're sitting in traffic and find yourself becoming more and more frustrated. 
Um, you can do this when you're waiting in line to buy your groceries. I don't think I need to provide any more examples. You basically can do this throughout your whole day and nobody needs to know that you're doing it. And then note mental, emotional, and physical states. So the physical state will bring you back into the body of the breath. And then you might notice feelings arising and you're not marking them negative or positive. You're just noting those feelings. And I love that breath because as a practice, once again, I can pay more attention to my internal state and the external environment. And that simply is the practice of mindfulness. That is great. And I like how you you really emphasize that you can create your own three words or two words. You know? Yeah, it doesn't have to be. I um, mean, if you're somebody who likes numbers and you simply want to keep it to the count of one, two, three, that works for you, great. Again, nobody's going to critique you on what you're saying to yourself in that moment as long as you're... Because they don't even know. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I like the idea of like American Thanksgiving this weekend coming up on the Christmas holidays if you're sitting around the table with your family and it's a beautiful moment to do the breath and say, I am grateful. Three Absolutely. Simple words, right? Absolutely. And truly bring yourself into that moment. And I remember um, a few, a couple years ago when I was giving a talk in Australia and I was quite nervous. There was like about a thousand people, even more mm-hmm. in the audience. And I remember I was WhatsApping you behind the, the scenes. And I was, I was nervous, but I was excited. I was really, I was prepared for the talk. So I knew that part of it, the content of my talk was fine. But I was just trying to control my emotional state because I was backstage and I was, I could see through this kind of like mesh curtain and I could see the place filling up. And I was like, oh, you know, I've spoken before and I've spoken to a couple hundred people, but never a thousand. So I was trying to say, it doesn't matter if there's a thousand or 200 or 50 or 10, the number of people doesn't matter. But I remember specifically you just saying, okay, just spend some time alone, just working on your breath. Mm -hmm. And I went and I sat down behind the, the stage and I literally for two or three minutes just focused on my breath. And I didn't have a specific strategy at the time, but I did do deep inhalations and deep exhalations. And it did put me into a calmer state. Um, This is very specific. And when I think of this, it's even more specific if you are going to have to give a talk or you're going to have to present Mm -hmm. something at a meeting and you might be a little bit nervous Maybe that calm and poised, remain calm and poised, because you'll always speak your best when you are calm and poised. Right. So I appreciate you um, sharing that. I think it's it's a great takeaway for people. I think, and it it can be practiced at any time of the day. And, you know, there's so many examples of walking into an intense meeting, presenting, Uh, dealing with your own children when you're disciplining them. I mean, there's so many advantages and opportunities throughout the day that you can practice. So for people who say, oh, I don't have time for mindfulness, 
there are an abundant areas all day long that you could take the mindfulness off the traditional like cushion or yoga mat and just be doing it all day so there's your there's your experience for the rest of the week to test it out and trial it excellent that brings us to the fourth (coughs) of mindfulness and that's back to annie vastly Okay, so for the fourth seed, my second seed actually, right? Um, I want to talk about this idea of priming, which is something Neil and I do with, um, uh, you know, we, we don't do it as much as we should, but we we do it uh, quite regularly. And it and comes it comes from Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins doesn't Robbins, it? Yeah, yeah, Tony Robbins, and it's this idea that we can literally change the neurochemistry of our brain by priming ourselves at the start of the day. And that's when we're most receptive to it and when we need it the most. So in preparing for your day, you take 10 minutes, you take five minutes, whatever it is, it can be listening to your favorite song or succession of songs. It can be, um, you know, spending 10 minutes reading something that you love to read, poems, you know, books, whatever it is watching videos. In our case, we watch quite a few motivational videos in the morning when we're getting ready for work. Um, And this idea of just being inspired, you know, like starting the day off with positive emotions uh, is such a great way to kickstart your day because you are framing up your day in a way that's very positive. So when you leave the house, your neurochemistry has shifted and actually tapped into important um, chemicals, endorphins that are being released in your body because you're in a positive state of mind. Mm -hmm. It's totally worth the investment of 10 minutes to do this. You have to figure out what that is for you, but for us it's videos, mostly videos. Um, so I want to share with you uh, a YouTube series called Five Minutes for the Next 50 Years. You can find it on YouTube easily. And the latest one was from Matthew McConaughey, and it's, it's excellent. And it's about a five-and-a-half-minute talk. And I actually downloaded the talk into an MP3 format, which I'm going to share with you in about a minute's time. So you're actually going to hear the whole five five-and-a-half-minute audio. So if you're jogging right now or driving in the car or just sitting and listening to this, I really want you to listen to this audio clip because Matthew shares lessons that he's learned in his life. I think it's taken from, it looks like he's doing... A commencement speech. Right. Yeah, so it was a commencement speech that he had given that uh, this YouTube channel took the, um, the commencement speech, pieces of it, pieced it together, and then dropped in some video with it. Right. Um, so what I want you to do as you're listening to this audio is really focus in on a line or a two, uh, a phrase, whatever it is he's talking about that resonates with you and really remember that. And then at the end of the audio clip, I'm going to share with you the two lines that really connected with me that means something to me. So I'm going to play the audio clip right now for you um, so you can listen to it. I'm going to talk to you about some things I've learned in my journey. 
most from experience. Some of them I heard in passing. Many of them I'm still practicing, but all of them I do believe are true. Life is not easy. It is not. Don't try to make it that way. Life's not fair. It never was. It isn't now and it won't ever be. Do not fall into the trap, the entitlement trap, of feeling like you're a victim. You are not. Get over it and get on with it. So the question that we got to ask ourselves is what success is to us? What success is to you? Is it more money? That's fine. I got nothing against money. Maybe it's a healthy family. Maybe it's a happy marriage. Maybe it's to help others, to be famous, to be spiritually sound, to leave the world a little bit better place than you found it. Continue to ask yourself that question. Now, your answer may change over time, and that's fine. But do yourself this favor. Whatever your answer is, don't choose anything that will jeopardize your soul. Prioritize who you are, who you want to be, and don't spend time with anything that antagonizes your character. Be brave, take the hill, but first answer that question, what's my hill? So first, we have to define success for ourselves. And then, we have to put in the work to maintain it. Take that daily tally, tend our garden, keep the things that are important to us in good shape. Where you are not is as important as where you are. It is just as important where we are not as it is where we are. Look, the first step that leads to our identity in life is usually not, I know who I am, I know who I am. That's not the first step. The first step is usually, I know who I am not. Process of elimination. Defining ourselves by what we are not is the first step that leads us to really knowing who we are. You know that group of friends that you hang out with that they, they really might not bring out the best in you? You know, they, they gossip too much or they're kind of shady. They really aren't going to be there for you in a pinch. Or how about that bar that we keep going to that we always seem to have the worst hangover from? Or that computer screen, right? That computer screen that keeps giving us an excuse not to get out of the house and engage with the world and get some real human interaction. Or how about that food that we keep eating? Stuff that tastes so good going down, makes us feel like crap the next week, we feel lethargic and we keep putting on weight. Well, those people, those places, those things, stop giving them your time and energy. Just don't go there. I mean, put them down. And when you do this, when you do put them down, when you quit going there, when you quit giving them your time, you inadvertently find yourself spending more time and in more places that are healthy for you, that bring you more joy. Why? Because you just eliminated the who's, the where's, the what's, and the when's that were keeping you from your identity. Look, trust me, too many options, <laughs> I promise you, too many options will make a tyrant of us all. All right, so get rid of the excess, the wasted time. Decrease your options. If you do this, you will have accidentally, almost innocently, put in front of you what is important to you by process of elimination. Knowing who we are is hard. It's hard. Give yourself a break. 
Eliminate who you are not first. You're going to find yourself where you need to be. Instead of creating outcomes that take from us, let's create more outcomes that pay us back. Fill us up. Keep your fire lit. Turn you on for the most amount of time in your future. We try our best. We don't always do our best. Our architecture is a verb as well. And since we are the architect of our own lives, let's study the habits, the practices, the routines that we have that lead to and feed our success, our joy, our honest pain, our laughter, our earned tears. Let's dissect that and give thanks for those things. And when we do that, guess what happens? We get better at them. And we have more to dissect. Be discerning. Choose it because you want it. Do it because you want to. We're gonna make mistakes. You gotta own them. Then you gotta make amends. And then you gotta move on. Guilt and regret kills many a man before their time. So turn the page, get off the ride. You are the author of the book of your life. Okay, so you've listened to the audio clip and uh, what a powerful message. And we've listened to that a number of times and it's kind of my go-to. We kind of just throw it on while we're getting ready for work. And sometimes we do, sometimes we've sat and just watched it and just listened to it. And other times we've just sort of... Had it on in the background. Yeah. And I don't like that as much, to be honest, because I like actually sitting down and truly listening to right. it. Right. But because it seems to be a repetition, like we'll listen to that same video every day for a week sometimes. Yeah. And it's it's a reminder because what he shares in that uh, audio is really important because it's all about critical self-reflection and thinking about your own life and thinking about what success means to you, Mm -hmm. defining what success means to you, and then looking at your guiding principles. What drives you in life? What are your guiding principles that drive you forward? And what do you value? And what do you value? Ultimately, we all want to be our best self. And in being our best self, we have to surround ourselves with the right people and the right things. Mm -hmm. And that's my takeaway from that. But the two lines that really stood out to me was, were near the beginning where he said, don't choose anything that will jeopardize your soul Mm. and don't spend time with anything that antagonizes your character. And those really stand out to me in regards to every day we have choices We have choices to hang around people that buoy us up, to surround ourselves with people that uh, empower us, that support us, that help us on our journeys of learning and growth and development. 
And we know who those people are. Everybody has different people in their lives who do this for them. <clears throat> but in your schools, per personally, professionally, you know who those people are that make you feel good, that value you, that, that recognize your strengths, that support you, all of those things. So every day we have a choice and we can fall into a trap of surrounding ourselves with people that don't do those things for us. And there's a pressure to hang out with them or whatever it is, but we have a choice and we need to surround ourselves with, with people that will not jeopardize our soul or antagonize our character. Mm -hmm. You know, and for me, that's, those two lines are, are really important and stand out, even though every line in that speech is, is great. Those two lines in particular really stand out to me and remind me that every day I have choices and some days I'm not going to make the best choices but if I strive to make the best choices day in and day out then I will surround myself with things and people that buoy me up that do not jeopardize my soul or antagonize my character so that's what I wanted to share but before doing a recap, I want you to share which lines meant something to you. I think every time I listen to it, something different will pop up for me, but having just listened to it, one of the lines that uh, popped out for me was create outcomes that pay you back. So pay us back, create outcomes that fill you up and create outcomes that fire you up and turn you on. So in creating this podcast it is such a way to keep both you and I on track with things and sharing things that inspire us individually and together and saying yes to challenges that allow us to grow uh, both professionally and personally. So that really spoke to me. And then the other line in it where he does say, you know, we do have the power to be the architects of our own lives. So instead of getting caught in an attitude of being a victim or beating yourself up and not practicing self-compassion, you ultimately are the one that has the power to reframe thinking, be self-aware um, and limit self-criticism to create the life that you want, be that in relationships, be that financially, you are ultimately the one responsible for that. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> um, and just as you said, the, the act of recording this podcast for us is an investment of time and energy. I mean, we do research before, we we invest the time and then we say, okay, I think it's time that we record because recording this makes us articulate why it is we're sharing what we are. Forces us to really tune in and um, I guess tune in on why these things are important to us and then share them. And we hope that you can take these seeds of mindfulness and grow them with your own 
perspective and your own thoughts and your own tweaks to how you perceive them. Yes, exactly. So we always end off each episode with a recap of our four seeds of mindfulness. So we're going to do that now. So Neela, your first seed was? My first seed was a guided meditation or a phrase used by Vinnie Ferraro. And it was entitled, Right Now, It's Like This. The second seed of mindfulness was uh, connected with the idea of impermanence, but more permanence. And I shared, uh, you know, my mom's losing my mom two weeks ago and the idea of self-compassion and forgiveness, self-forgiveness and how important that is. Uh, And it needs to be practiced with more regularity in our lives. The third seed of mindfulness was a breathing technique called the soother. And that's simply taking a spacious inhalation, holding and retaining the breath for two to three seconds as you choose three words that, two or three words that resonate with you to practice soothing and calming your nerves to be a little more relaxed and present in the moment. And the fourth seat of mindfulness was the Matthew McConaughey five minutes for the next 50 years. Uh, video and uh, audio and this idea of priming in the morning in order to get yourself into the right emotional state when you walk out that door and the investment of 10 minutes because that's all it takes five to ten minutes the investment of five to ten minutes in priming in the morning is so worth it So those are the four seeds of mindfulness. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, don't forget to call your mother or father or brother or sister or aunt or uncle, somebody who means something to you, even if they piss you off. (laughs) Pick up the phone, Skype them, whatever. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Four Times Mindfulness with Andy Vastley and Neela Steele. We're going to conclude the episode with um, some good I love, I love when Neela shares this, so I'm going to let Neela close the show. Okay. So we're closing the show today with metta, that is loving kindness, that is sending off goodwill towards yourself and others. If you can, wherever you are, take a slow and soft breath in. And really enjoy that exhale. May you be free from internal and external harm. May you be physically strong, healthy, and vital. May you have a calm, clear mind and a peaceful, loving heart. And may you experience love, joy, wisdom, and wonder in this world just as it is. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassman. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21CLRadio.com. Dot com.